Hi, everyone. This is Tom Salemi of Device Talks. Welcome to our second season of Medtronic Talks. In our first season, we spoke with the leaders of Medtronic's operating units to better understand the direction of each of the businesses. Now, with their courses set and clear, we're going to talk to the engineers, scientists, physicians, and other experts who are executing on these strategies. We'll still keep a tight focus on each of Medtronic's businesses, but we are going to get a lot deeper into these stories. Let's go. Hi, everyone. This is Tom Salemi. Welcome back to the Medtronic Talks podcast. We're going to tackle a very important topic today, health care equity. Our guests are Karen Shahidi. She is Senior Medical Affairs Program Director at Medtronic and Dr. John DeChapel. He is Chief Medical Officer, Vice President, Medical Affairs of America's Region at Medtronic. We spoke today about the problem of healthcare inequity. What are the root causes? How can technology be used to bring healthcare equity together to, to, to make healthcare more equitable. We talked about Medtronic's work across industries, how they're working with others, what the federal government is doing. We covered a lot. Very important conversation and uh, happy to have Karen Shahidi and John DeChapel here on the podcast. I learned a lot. I'm sure you will as well. Before we begin, I wanted to bring in our sponsor, MTD Micro Molding. I'm grateful that they stepped up and sponsored this podcast. This episode in particular, it's a very important issue. And uh, again, thank you, MTD Micro Molding, for stepping up and making this episode possible. I spoke with Gary Hulecki. He is CEO of MTD Micro Molding. Gary, tell me, what does MTD Micro Molding do? MTD Micro Molding is a contract manufacturer for all med device companies. We have a specific focus in medical micro molding. That's all we do. And everything we do everything here from material handling to packaging. Products we take on is uh, medical implants, medical components, pharmaceutical packaging. We do prototype, pilot production, high cavitation production. We use um, standard, any kind of thermoplastics, uh, bioabsorbable resins. All the molding is done in class eight clean rooms. We use scientific molding principles, validation processes, IQOQPQ. We also do cavity pressure monitoring with RJG equipment. We have a robust um, metrology lab with all kinds of laser scanning, touch probe, CT scanning, and we also do full custom packaging and assembly. That's great. As always, we'll hear more from MTD Micromolding CEO Gary Hulecki a little later in the podcast. If you want to find out more information about MTD Micromolding, go to mtdmicromolding.com. Dot com. Now let's begin this episode of the Medtronic Talks podcast. Well, Karen Shahidi and John DeChapel, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Thanks for having Tom. us. Great to be back. Well, I'm glad to have you here on the program. We're here to talk today about uh, health equity and what Medtronic and the medtech industry is doing to, number one, identify the problem, define the problem, but also, of course, solve the problem. It's one that's been with us for, for decades. It's one that's received new attention as of late as it should. And I know there are a number of efforts underway to rectify it. So I think the entire discussion would benefit from uh, uh, just a general understanding of what does health equity mean? And Karen Shady, I was hoping you could start us with that. Sure. And, you know, we've looked at um, the CDC definition around this just to say, you know, what is CDC saying about it? And, you know, they really look at 
making sure that health equity is achieved when every person has the opportunity to attain her or his full potential and when no one is disadvantaged from achieving that potential because of socially determined circumstances. And so it's trying to look at, you know, making sure that we can close any gaps around access, quality, and outcomes to care. And so we've really been focused on ensuring that we can do exactly that and focus on access, improving quality, and achieving outcomes. I think it should be self-evident, but it probably isn't. What What is uh, limiting that access? How are people being kept from the care they, they need? That's what we're exploring right now. And there's a lot of work being done with our operating units right now to say, why? You know, we just completed a large market study from our neurosciences business trying to say exactly that. Why? They did a quantitative and a qualitative analysis using data, looking at um, doing interviews of people to try to figure out, you know, number one, is there a gap? And then if there is a gap, where is the gap? Is it race or is it place? And then why is there a gap? Is it social determinants of health? You know, what's going on? So a lot of our operating units are doing exactly that by leveraging data and analytics to really take that deep dive and figure out what is the problem and where is it? Why is it? Because then we can really start to figure out what it is that needs to be done in a more directed manner. And so that's the approach that we're taking now is put together a framework so that we can really take a more methodical approach to this. That's great. John, can you sort of to complete the picture, who is being impacted by this and, and what does the impact of health inequity look like? Yeah, sure. So Karen talked about gaps and it's really important to study where the gaps exist and then understand if you want to fix the problem, then you have to understand the specific barriers that are keeping people from getting high quality care. And there's some examples that are very well recognized, such as heart disease, where there is a difference in mortality rate between the white population and the black population of some 30%, or even more marked in things like colorectal cancer, where it's a 40% mortality difference. What we're doing is outside of those disease states, looking at the other disease states, such as Parkinson's disease and finding that there's a measurable gap there and then taking the next step and saying, okay, what are the barriers to care? So first off, I think you have to recognize kind of the potential inequities in care. So ones that all of us go to first would be race or ethnicity, right? And I mentioned that just a moment ago, black versus white, but there's other potential drivers of inequities or, or disparities of health outcomes. It can be language, it can be geography, it could be gender, it could be sexual orientation. So we need to take a broad view, come into this open-minded, and then narrow our focus once we identify what the barriers really can be to try to fix it. Do we have a sense of which way the, the needle is swinging in terms of better, between better and, and worse? You mentioned geography. I'm thinking of uh, rural healthcare is is really suffering. A lot of hospitals and, and less populous areas are being shut down. I mean, we don't seem to be heading in the right direction just based on, on geography. We can talk about income disparity, disparity and other issues as well, but uh, which way are we headed in this? 
Yeah, you know, geography, I think, is, is one of the more underappreciated ones. And to, to your point, shortages of, of healthcare providers in more rural settings, it's just unrealistic to expect someone to go drive three, four hours to see a specialist who they may have to see on an ongoing basis to get the appropriate level of care. So they end up seeing a primary care physician who just by definition can't be expert in every single disease state. And so the quality of care could be different for someone in a rural setting versus someone in a more suburban or, or urban one. And so we need to think about if that in fact is a barrier to high quality care, then what can we do about it? Now, there's some new catalysts that are being you know, discovered, such as telehealth, that can start to address that. Remote patient monitoring can also start to bridge that distance gap. So there are solutions, but first we identify the problem, and then we can come with solutions. And maybe that's why Medtronic is so particularly interested in this, because we have unique data analytic capabilities coupled with technology offerings that, that can make a difference. Um, just to add to that, you know, it's great that we have such phenomenal technology with, you know, remote monitoring capabilities, telehealth, et cetera. And, you know, a lot of key stakeholders like the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, you know, CMS, they're looking at whether or not there are gaps in terms of access to the types of technology, internet service, things like that, that people in rural areas will actually need. So, you know, we keep that in mind as well as we're developing programs and, you know, looking at different populations because uh, we want to make sure that, again, that's another potential barrier that we want to make sure that we can break down or uh, solve for when we're trying to um, support patients in their care. It's a very real issue in these rural communities about having bandwidth and access to Internet. So something that we're always keeping in mind. Oh, that's a great point. I mean, as we on this podcast and elsewhere in device talks land, where we talk to companies about how they're incorporating new technology connected care into their products, we just have these discussions sort of with the assumption that they're going to be available to everybody, but we may have the greatest device that can do the greatest thing in the world. But if you don't have access to 5G or something of that, like, right. then, then you're out of luck. That's, that's, uh, that's a great point. Well, let's, let's circle back a bit and talk maybe about root causes. Is there a root cause or an origin of, of health inequity. All right, we'll take a quick break from this conversation to bring back Gary Hulecki, CEO of MTD Micromolding. Gary, how does MTD work with medical device companies? We specialize in designs that have, say, a high level of impossibility. Um, we are an engineering-driven company, so we do um, you know design for molding, we do design for manufacturing, we do product design, uh, also help with uh, prototype tooling and bridge tooling to get the process started and to determine feasibility. And we also have the ability to scale up with uh, production manufacturing and full um, quality system to ensure that these products are delivered uh, to the sterilizer or to a, uh, a warehouse. And finally, Gary, I want to know what is new at MTD Micromolding? What can you share? Well, this year we've kicked off, um, a lot of people have um, done some additive manufacturing, a lot of 3D printing um, has been popular with med device companies, but the, the problem with the 3D printing 
is it's out of a photopolymer that is, you know, if ultimately the part is going to be injection molded, a photopolymer really isn't uh, realistic. You know, it, it doesn't have the properties of a perfectly homogeneous molded injection molded part. So you can't really do any high level testing. So what we've done is we've created, a, you know, for lack of a better term, we've created a, a mold that we can say mold a puck out of the material that is ultimately going to be injection molded for this product. And we're a lot, we're able to machine it. So it, it gets you a lot closer and uh, then 3D printing because it is going to be out of the material that is ultimately going to be injection molded. So it allows you to do some, say, higher level testing with uh, the part out of the material that's going to be injection molded. That's great. Thank you again to MTD Micro Molding for sponsoring this episode of Medtronic Talks. Thanks, Gary Halecki, for joining us on the podcast. If you would like to find out more information about MTD Micro Molding, I suggest you go to MTD Micro Molding, all one word, MTD Micro Molding. Now, let's get back into this episode of the Medtronic Talks podcast. Is there a root cause or an origin of, of health inequity? You know, it can go back through U.S. history, right? Yeah, you could, sure. You could do a whole, you know, U.S. history lesson on that. And I think, you know, what we've tried to focus in on is really to say, what is the root cause from a data and analytics perspective? And how can we leverage what we know from better ways of identifying patients for, in particular, disease states to say, you know, are we identifying the right population, the right patients? You know, in the old days, it was easy. You would identify a population based on claims data or EMR data and say, you know, here we have a population of patients with diabetes or a population with disease X. But now it's we're able to actually stratify that data with some of the um, newer health equity metrics around race, ethnicity, language, gender, um, gender identity, sexual orientation to say, okay, where are the gaps? What is the root cause driving this? And then take it down even further, like we had mentioned earlier about social issues. Are there social determinants at play? Is it around uh, a language barrier? Is it around uh, transportation? Are there economic issues at play? What's going on? And really try to refine what is the root cause driving this so that we can then move on and think about, well, how are we going to solve for that? And how do we engage people? How do we better engage the patient, the caregiver, or the provider? You know, making sure that we have the right tools and resources for the providers to enable care for their patients. Then we can look at, okay, well, what is the right intervention? Is it a device? Is it a new care pathway? You know, what is that new solution that we can have? And then be able to measure it and say, are we achieving outcomes? And I want to mention there are probably two areas of measurement that are important. First of all is, are we achieving a clinical improvement? You know, in the example, example of diabetes, say, you know, did we improve the hemoglobin A1C? That's one metric. But are we actually closing that gap? And this is, you know, where we can really start to be creative about how we can measure that. You know, we look at the observed over expected ratios. 
Medicare has a lot of quality measures that look at observed over expected. We're starting to look at the same. Are we able to close that gap from what we would expect to see and what we're actually observing? You know, earlier John mentioned, you know, some cardiovascular diseases. And I think it was the Journal of the American College of Cardiology had published back in 2017 some data around um, patients having aortic stenosis and the um, percentage of people who were referred for TAVR, the transcatheter aortic valve replacement. And in that study, you know, 83% of people who were referred were Caucasian and 13% were Black. And so these are the kinds of gaps that we're trying to to close. So when we measure, we of course want to measure good clinical quality outcomes, but in addition, are we starting to close that gap so that we can ensure access? And if we're not, that's okay. We, we go, it just means we go back to the drawing board and we figure it out. And that's why this measurement is so critical because it's about continuous process improvement. If we're like true engineers, you know, if we don't achieve that result the first time, we want to quickly get back to the drawing board and figure out why not, and then go through that pathway again of better ways of identification, engagement, better interventions so that we can achieve those outcomes. I was curious about, maybe this falls under the intervention, but if a person is not getting access to the treatments that they need because of where they live or how they look or how much money they have, I would guess in most cases, they're not even aware of that, that there were options to them that were not made available to them. So is there a part of this that is making sure that folks know what they're entitled to and what they need to be advocating for? Is that part of the solution as well? Absolutely, Tom. Karen spoke before about using the term social determinants of health. And one of those is around education. So uh, you have variable levels of education in the population. It's really beholden on all of us in healthcare, whether we're uh, a manufacturer like us or whether you're a provider like some large health system or whether you're CMS to educate the population as to the common disease states and what therapies are available to them, what to do to first avoid the disease, but should you have it, what therapies are available. So awareness, starting with physicians and moving to patients is, is a critical piece to, uh, to addressing health inequities, for sure. And the federal government and CMS now are really putting a tremendous amount of attention on health equity. President Biden signed an executive order around really promoting equity across all areas of the government, but Medicare really has picked up on this. And now we're seeing in the proposed rules some new quality measures around health equity. So health systems are really taking a close look at this you know, as John was mentioning, you know, this is with providers and what are providers going to be doing about this? And in our role, we're really working in lockstep with providers. So as we keep an eye on what policies are coming out around equity, around measurement of health equity, we're working in lockstep with providers, health systems to say, what can we do in that community to really support them in achieving you know, improvements in access, quality, and outcomes. And so it's only by working together with providers in collaboration that we're really going to see some 
movement. And I'll just mention it's partnerships across the whole ecosystem. The device industry, for sure, it's working with providers, work, you know, seeing what policymakers are doing, you know, patient advocacy groups, it's quality stakeholders. Really, the entire healthcare ecosystem has to be in on this in order to make something work. You know, I, I think that Karen spent quite a bit of time talking about providers, and I think that that's really the hallmark of Medtronic's approach to health equities. It actually started with uh, the providers coming to us as there was increasing recognition of health disparities. They've always been around, but they had not been well recognized as, as I think we all appreciate until the last couple of years. And they came to us saying, we want to do something about health disparities in our population, in, in, in where our hospitals are, but we don't know quite what the next steps are. Do you have some ideas for us? And that's what drove us to really dive deeper into health equity and we decided very early on that our approach would be a grassroots approach, one where we're working in individual communities for working on a certain disease with a certain hospital to attract a certain population to get them the high quality of care that, that they deserve. There's, we are undertaking policy work and, and, and other maybe more top-down initiatives, but the hallmark of, of our approach has been grassroots and one of the reasons for that is, is that we think we can have more impact. And then the second is that we think it's much more sustainable. If we're partnering with the health system, then that is a way where we can stay involved and engaged and go from the point where we measure the gap, identify the barriers to a point where someday we're going to be able to come back and repeat that study and demonstrate that we've closed gaps in care. And we can only do that, we feel, if, if we're in the community, taking the grassroots approach alongside of health systems to, to try to address this vexing problem. What does that partnership or, or effort with the healthcare system look like? What are you providing them? Is this, a, is this a service you're providing them or are you merely going into their data and sort of helping them understand it better? Or is there something else entirely that I'm missing? Can you give me a little more detail, either of you, on, on what that actually looks like? Yeah, you know, there are a variety of things that we're doing you know, as John was speaking, I was thinking about some work that we did first looking at the state. So the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering and Medicine came out with this framework of really an approach. And one pillar of that is to look at the community health needs assessment. So really, it's looking at what is going on in that particular state. Earlier, you mentioned rural health as one area. Absolutely. What, what's happening in West Virginia is completely different than what's happening in South Carolina and different than Kentucky. And so as we start to work with large health systems, we do some research and say, what's happening in that state? What are the key priorities from the state, from their payers, from the health system? What's driving this? Is it maternal health? Is it diabetes? Is it access? You know, we talked about internet access, you know, so whatever is going on in that community, we, we start to look at, and then think about what are the resources that Medtronic can offer. So in our diabetes operating unit, what are some initiatives and some solutions that we have to offer that we can then bring to the health system and help be a part of that solution? There's a lot of work being done by providers and you know these large health systems, and we can be a part of that solution, a piece of the puzzle to make sure that we're leveraging 
technology. One of the things that that framework from the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering and Medicine did not incorporate when they did it was around technology. And so we've been talking about the role of technology here and how we can really leverage technology to help in advancing equity across the country. And it has resonated tremendously well with key stakeholders from quality organizations, leaders at large health systems. They say, absolutely. I mean, because they keep saying, how can we do more with less faster? And so technology is a piece of that puzzle, whether it's on you know, the data and analytics side or providing a technological solution to a disease state, bringing in that technology component really is critical. And, you know, whether it's diabetes, you know, looking at, you know, some of our devices that can be offered to patients, you know, and to provide access to them, but also looking at the care pathway. Are there barriers in terms of um, specialty providers? Are there not enough specialty providers in a particular area? So should we look at primary care providers and work with primary care in that particular region. So our business units are really working hand in hand with health systems to come up with some novel solutions once they figure out exactly what that barrier is. How does this fit into into Medtronic's overall mission? Uh, I mean, your overall mission is to improve health and to, to create products that make people better. But this sort of analysis of how care is being delivered, and would appear to me to be in cases where it may not even involve Medtronic technology or, or products. How does this fit in, into the, the the company at large? Is it, is it seen as as a sort of a public service element that's necessary to be done, or is it part of each of the the businesses, and it's just part of built into your your strategy and DNA? No, I would say both, Tom. And what I mean is this: is that um, it's absolutely part of, of our mission to ensure as best we can that everyone has access to high quality care. And that's what drives the 90,000 employees at, at Medtronic. But you can also look at it from a pure business lens and work in addressing health disparities is could well be termed market development, right? You're expanding the market. And if you believe that your products can truly offer value, or better outcomes for a group of patients who that you know that that device is indicated for, then yes, you're doing something that is very consistent with your normal business practices, which is engaged in market development. But you're also satisfying the Medtronic mission of helping those in need. So they're very much complementary, and I think it's for that reason that I have great hope that this efforts in health equity at Medtronic will be sustainable, will be long-lasting because of these two drivers here, both emission and also just the simple concept of, of market development, which is so fundamental to our business. And if we're going to make changes, it's not easy. It requires the long haul. It, it, it's not something where you can just have the Medtronic Foundation write a check and think it's going to be fixed to, to a deserving organization, right? It requires continued long-term engagement. And so the fact that it is both the mission and also just in a pure business sense market development, I think is, is, is something very encouraging for those of us in the area. And, you know, Jeff has told us he wants us to make sure that this is 
whatever we do is scalable, sustainable, and that we're actually making an impact. This is not about writing checks, as John said. This is really about making an impact. And I want to just highlight one other example with Virtua Healthcare in New Jersey, in Camden, New Jersey. And we had worked with this large healthcare system, also had been working with Medtronic Labs, which is a program that has been working out in rural Africa and India for over 10 years and has achieved outstanding outcomes in terms of improving hypertension in those communities. And when we started working with Virtua and hearing about some of the challenges that they face in Camden, New Jersey, we thought about some of the work taking place in other areas of the world and how could we bring in some of that work into Camden, New Jersey. And so we brought labs in to Virtua to see, is there an opportunity to partner and and come up with some kind of novel approach at providing outreach and screening to their community? And so now Medtronic Labs is going to be working with Virtua in that community at the Cherry Hill Clinic, providing screenings for hypertension and diabetes to bring people you know, back in and keep them connected with their providers. And it's a novel approach because they use a phenomenal platform system. They use community healthcare workers. It's really filling in a lot of gaps. And uh, we're really excited about this work taking place in Camden, New Jersey, and are looking forward to seeing the types of results that they can achieve there in, again, improving access, improving quality, and really driving those outcomes. We look at this as two stages. We look at uh, patients that exist in the community, and then we look at patients that exist in the health system. And the biggest problem is getting people who are not currently in a, their local health system into that health system. And so having an outreach arm like Medtronic Labs doing screening, as they've done in India and Africa, and now doing it here you know, in the U.S., in uh, these minoritized populations has been critical. And now it enables us to go to the next stage, which is once they're in the system, then to offer them to make sure that they're getting the same quality care. So they've been identified, they're in the system, and now they can enjoy the benefits of technology. We spoke earlier about technology, and technology can do one of two things. It can divide the haves and the have-nots. We were talking about internet and 5G earlier, or it can democratize, and it can enable everyone to get a similar high-quality result. So if we can get folks, for example, with diabetes into the system, and we educate the physicians in the system to the value of uh, a technology such as continuous glucose monitoring or to a automated insulin delivery system, we know that we can improve their blood sugar and decrease complications related to diabetes. People who are affluent, they probably would normally go see an endocrinologist who would be very much aware of these technologies, but people who are not so will have to first be brought into the system, secondly, be treated probably by primary care docs who will have taken upon ourselves to educate to the value of the use of technology to improve their average blood sugar. So it's a multi-step process, starting in the community and then getting those patients who are in the health system, the same level of care. And that's how we think we're going to start to see success. 
Two more questions. One looking in internally, do your efforts inform either product development or clinical research? We talked earlier before we push record, Jennifer Doyle, Vice President of Clinical Research and Medical Science at Medtronic. We had her at our Device Talks Boston meeting talking about improving clinical trials through broader representation. Does any of what you're working on create information for your colleagues who are developing and testing new devices to make sure that they're being tested against an accurate representation of the population? Absolutely. That is, we take a multi-pronged approach to addressing health inequities. And we've spoken a lot today about our grassroots provider partnerships, but there are other aspects. One of them is taking an honest look at ourselves and saying, do we have adequate diversity in the trials that we sponsor? And Really, that critical look has demonstrated that in some places, in fact, that wasn't the case. And what are we going to do going forward to recruit patients into our trials that represent the true population who has that given disease? So we're holding ourselves accountable for ensuring that we have clinical trial diversity. And even before we get to the trials, We also have folks who are designing our products, human factors engineers, thinking about different populations and different races, ethnicities, whether they be the provider or the patient, and making sure that we are keeping in mind the specifics to each one. I'll give a small example. I'm a surgeon, and we are seeing more and more women surgeons. In general, women wear a smaller glove size, they have smaller hands, and yet our older generation staplers were really hard to close if you didn't have a big, strong hand. So we have factored, our human factors engineers have taken that into account and have reduced the size so that women surgeons, Asian surgeons can use the device with the same outcomes as, as a larger person, let's say, you know, may have in the past. So it starts with our engineering, it extends to diversity in our trials, and then and then we go from there with the other items that we spoke about in terms of addressing the barriers that exist out in the community. And, and Tom, just to add to that, there have not been great benchmarks out there in terms of diversity in clinical trials. What's the right number? And so we have joined MedTech Color, which is this collaborative organization with other industry and device leaders to do exactly that. Let's find out what could we create as benchmarks? What should they be? And so we have representation there. We have internal committees working on this, as well as the operating units, as John was just describing. One other area of this, you know, how do we get that information out across Medtronic? We created an internal group called our Health Equity Advisory Committee, comprised of leaders from various operating units, some of our employee resource groups. We have um, representatives, different functions, whether it's compliance, healthcare economics and health policy, government affairs, all coming together and sharing best practices. And you have never seen a more engaged group on that committee that stays focused, comes to every meeting, loves to hear what's going on, shares best practices. I mean, the technology that we have is, of course, phenomenal. And the the designs that John just described are outstanding in that we have engineers who are listening to what's happening in real life and how can we adjust and modify that. But it's the 90,000 people behind that that make it work. And that's what I think has been so 
unique and so inspiring for us to see at work through this Health Equity Advisory Committee. It's not just about looking at data and, and let's fill a gap and what can we do here or there. The passion and engagement of the Medtronic employees has really been inspiring as we've, you know, taken this on and and continue to do so. We're thrilled to do it and we look forward to seeing, you know, what is to come in the years ahead. That's great. And that leads well into my my final question, which was the externally directed question. Where does Medtronic fit into the broader industry effort to combat health inequity? It would seem that if you have a large forest fire, you want to coordinate your efforts to put it out with other firefighting companies. Is Medtronic working with closely with government agencies? Is there is there sort of a, a broader industry-wide effort that you're part of? How does your effort fit into the broader attempt to battle this? We're doing some of that, you know, with Advamed, you know, the industry trade association and, you know, partnering on some committees there. That's one piece of work. MedTech Color, as I mentioned. The various operating units are also very engaged in their respective specialty societies, whether it's the American College of Cardiology, for example, you know, being engaged with specialty societies is important, and also other key healthcare stakeholders like T1D Exchange for the diabetes group. So you see our operating units really taking the lead with some of the externally focused work with key healthcare stakeholders. So I think it's really across the board, you know, at a national level, we're doing what we can. We're talking to other organizations who you might think of as competitors. We're talking to say, what are we doing and what can we do together? So those conversations are absolutely happening. So it's really internally as well as externally and at you know local levels as well as some of the national levels to really try and tackle this. As we learn, we're all learning together in this right now. And you know, each week, each month, we learn a little bit more. We know a little bit more than we did last month. And so we it's just been growing and growing over the last several months. Karen may be too modest to, to mention one of our most external collaborate most important external collaborations. And that is she represents Medtronic sitting on committees that formulate quality measures and has been vocally advocating for the inclusion of health equity content to be put into those quality measures. And it's those quality measures that are created and then ultimately recommended to CMS that will absolutely drive change in behavior of health systems across the country when their finances to a degree, will be dependent on satisfying quality measures that have a significant health equity component. And we expect private payers to, to soon follow on if, if they have not already. So that's, a, that's a, another key piece is that health equity is the right thing to do and is also the financially advantageous thing to do. Right. Just final, final question, Darren. Do you have a sense of what success looks like? Is this just something we need to keep doing forever? Do you have an idea of where this needs to lead, or are we not there yet? It's a great question, Tom. You know, we have a role to play, and success, you know, across the board is certainly to make sure that, you know, as we started off the discussion, to make sure that everybody can attain their full potential and that they're not disadvantaged. You know, that's really that utopia. But if we can start to close some gaps and show that our interventions are moving the needle, 
you know, that's the first step and that we really want to see some outcomes and see that impact and make sure that we're doing this at scale so it's sustainable and that we're really seeing some outcomes. And for us, I think that would really be one definition of success to make sure that we can really improve access to care while improving quality and really driving those outcomes. And once we start to gain some traction, we'll start to learn more and more. And, you know, like any good predictive model, we'll, we'll learn from what we did in the past and then we'll maybe copy and paste it to something else and it will start to replicate. So I think we're just at the beginning stages of this. And once we can see what works and let it start to replicate and catch fire, I think that would be success. Terrific. All right. Well, this is an excellent discussion. Thank you both for uh, for your work in this effort and for joining us in the podcast. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Tom. That's a wrap. Thanks again to MTD Micro Molding for sponsoring this episode of the Medtronic Talks podcast. Thank you to our guests, John DeChapel and Karen Shahidi for joining us. And of course, thank you to you, our listeners. Please do us a favor and follow this podcast on your podcast player so you don't miss a future episode of the Medtronic Talks podcast. You can also find it on Medtronic.com and DeviceTalks.com. But if you subscribe, it'll be sent directly to your listening device. We'd also be grateful if you would share this podcast episode on your social media channels. And when you do, please connect with me. I am on LinkedIn, Tom, S-A-L-E-M. I am the editorial director of Device Talks. You can also find me on Twitter at MedTechTom. Once again, that is a wrap. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you, MTD Micro Molding, for sponsoring Thanks to our friends at Medtronic for making all of this happen. Tune in next time. We'll have another great episode of the Medtronic Talks podcast waiting for you.